We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the whys, and we know our whys. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yep. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. <laughs> Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. I'm Crystal Moore, and uh, this is Kenny Simpson. And today we have our guest, Cameron Aldrich, here. And we asked Cameron to come on the podcast today because, um, A, he's a really good friend of ours, but we've known Cameron for years, and really just his philosophy in life, the way that he works in business, his family, and all of that is um, really inspiring, and we want to share some of that info with you. So, Cameron, welcome. Thank you. What's up, Cam? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yep. So, I guess we should kind of start off how we met Cameron. We actually met Cameron through a client of his and ours at the time who you know, thought that we would make really good friends. In fact, he thought Kenny and him would be good friends through surfing and whatnot. We already Mm -hmm. had a title rep at the time, but Cameron works at Chicago Title, and pretty much, well, since him and Kenny met, they knew they were going to be really good friends. At first, we already had a title rep, so I was like, who the heck is this guy walking in trying to, you know, act like he's better than my guy? (laughs) But um, Yeah, I remember Joel Tuval's like, hey, uh, it's got Cameron. I think I was going to be really good friends. I think he said the yeah. same thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, sounds good. Like, what, what, whatever. Like, Thanks, okay, Joel. Just, we owe you. Yeah, I know. We always say that. <laughs> Joel's like, you owe me. Remember last time? I was like, okay, okay. So, and that's how we, like, officially met. Cameron came in the office, and then we met. And then I remember I was actually talking to Monty. I was like, yeah, I think I remember. I was like, the first time I surfed with Cameron was out at Abs. I just remember, you're like, I'm going to be out here. He paddled out, and that's how we met. Surfing. We'll go back to that at some point. Yeah, surfing. So, um, so Cameron works at Chicago Title, and he is a top rep at Chicago, right? Sure. Yeah. And um, like top in California or top in the nation? Um, Southern California. It's it's me and one of the lady in Los Angeles that are. I'm sure it's still top of the nation. He's just being modest. So it's it's yeah, in two percent in the nation, top two percent in the nation. So. For people who don't know exactly what escrow title is or looking to get into real estate, can you just give a quick brief on that? Sure, yeah. And the company I work for is Fidelity National Financial. So Chicago Title makes up 70% of that umbrella. Um, So for title and escrow, we do transactions across the country, but obviously locally as well. So Chicago Title has a big footprint, so it allows us to do transactions everywhere. So title and escrow, you're insuring the new buyer clear and clean title insurance um, on the property so there's no no attached uh, past liens or personal liens to the property um, so you're not inheriting something bad if, if the title company insures you then they're they basically um, it's going to be their fault if they missed something in the past if that makes sense and then obviously escrow the money not obviously but I'll, I'll break it down the money is being exchanged between buyer and seller um, through escrow so we handle both title insurance and escrow together, which makes kind of a cohesive um, transaction. So in my personal opinion, I'd rather have everything together at Chicago Title, but there are instances where we use other escrow companies and we do the title insurance. And escrow is basically like a 
independent third party that has a fiduciary duty both to the buyer and the seller. So that way, if there's any disputes arising, we kind of make sure that they're going according to contract for both buyer and seller. Absolutely. And if the buyer and seller are disagreeing at any point, that escrow stops completely. So it's um, it's a it's a middle person that handles the money that, that's transferred between buyer and seller. Cool. And um, so why is, why is like, <clears throat> why is title and escrow needed? Like, obviously it's like, yeah. Um, you got your escrow, you got your title, and a lot of people that we deal with are like, why do we need title and escrow? It's yeah. Like- I mean, I think it's funny, like when I think about this, I'm, I think about our company too, we've been around since 1847, and you think about back in the horse and carriage days when people were like, this is my land, and they're plotting it, and they're putting their little stakes in the ground. Like, how do you know when you sell that property, whose property that was before beforehand? How do you know if, if that's going to be your property next without somebody saying, no, that's that's mine? So there was a lot of squabbles, I think, back in the day, and I think nowadays the reason that they they require it is because they want to make sure that not only your property line exists, but that somebody else doesn't have, you know, in, in today's world, there's so many liens attached to properties that maybe were yours or were not yours, and you need to make sure that if you're the new buyer, you want to inherit this property that has clean title insurance. Otherwise, you're going to inherit a lot of bad loans and about a lot of bad liens that could be on the property. So to break it down, like if I buy a property, I get title insurance, I do escrow, I close on the property, two months later, all of a sudden, somebody comes and says, hey, by the way, uh, there's a $100,000 lien on this property that got missed. Here's the paperwork. Mm -hmm. And if Chicago Title misses it, we pay the claim on that to the client. That's the insurance. That's why it's important. We have the deepest pockets in the industry. So Chicago Title, by far, and FNF, Fidelity National Financial um, has the deepest pockets. So stupid question, but just the question is, is so um, do you guys ever miss stuff? And then things do get missed. Absolutely, yeah. And people so think you, that so we you, do pay, you do pay out. Yeah, okay. people think that we do not pay claims, but we've one of the biggest ones recently was in Pacific Beach. It was like a $30 million claim, and you know a lot of other companies wouldn't have been able to pay that. So wow, because, you guys had to pay that? Yep. And attorney fees and everything else, and it was it was over a period of six years. What kind of scenario? It, it was um, there was some older um, crazy people who owned the condos. They were getting their properties taken from them by a um, uh, a fraudulent uh, mortgage person and a notary who was forging the documents. So documents were getting forged, oh, and my so gosh. that's why we that's require crazy. nowadays for the notaries to be yeah. approved within our FNF title approved notary and we put them through this really ridiculous interview process and to make sure that they're on our list. Yep. People really don't like the fact that, that they have to be an approved notary. However, there's been so many documents forged over the days, over the years, you know, in the past and we've inherited these claims because of it. So, yeah. So what areas do you specialize in? Obviously like Crystal does commercial, I do residential. Um, what where what do you specialize in and then break it up like are you doing more commercial residential I mean I know but you know we're doing probably like seventy percent commercial thirty percent residential nice. a lot of it is because of I like the business to business aspect of commercial um, residential I have a lot of friends that do really well and they're they're very professional in what they do but I just gravitate towards the commercial industry in general it gives me more people to work with like hotel owners attorneys commercial brokers commercial banks. Um, commercial mortgage brokers. Um, and so it, it allows me to work with a really diverse group of people. And so I'm able to refer and connect a lot of people and make introductions. And commercial so. includes five plus units on apartments as well, just right. to kind of differentiate right. 
Yeah. Yep. For people. Yeah, or, most of the I mean, people, you're doing hotels, construction, yeah. like a lot of different stuff. A lot of construction right. loans. And in our company, there's a lot of construction loans going on. Big, giant construction loans that um, I have to get very entrenched on the loss of priority and indemnity packages and construction files. And so I like that. I like to talk to our underwriters. And I think that that's what differentiates myself from other sales reps. Okay. We've definitely had some issues on some title policies when we've had to move title when clients have been adamant about using someone else. Funny enough, including if it was Fidelity versus Chicago. You like when the business, it's a ridiculous, yeah. but yeah. yeah. It's, same, a, it's your team, your team, you have, like who yeah. you have up to, yeah. to the top just gets stuff done. The same underwriters, yeah. And I've helped clients all the time that had stuff at Fidelity and we have the same underwriters. So um, I'm able to, able to help and that makes a big difference to them in the future too. Having yeah. somebody that can really dig deep and help out in some complex transactions. So one of the things that I think you probably get a lot is just as anyone in sales who's seasoned, when they see you now or meet you now, they think that it looks so easy to just be successful and to have all this business and these clients and really just to have the kind of success that you have. Some of those people who didn't see you in the beginning when you first got started, can you just kind of tell us about how you got started and how you got here today? Because, like I said, I think we see it all the time. Honestly, too. like if I was a title rep and I started, I'd be like, I hate cameras. No, because you would too. You're like, God, this yeah. is. This is bullshit. Like honestly, yeah. you're like this is crazy. But like, no, it's but, fun. I really like it. I enjoy. I enjoy people. But there's a story how you got here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I enjoy people a lot. And maybe I didn't know that when I was going to art school at San Jose State. I was I loved art. And but when I got stuck to the computer and just doing my art it was awesome. But I also missed that interaction with people mm-hmm. and not being stuck on a graphic design computer all day long. So I've done that before as well. Um, I got started doing. Um, marketing and design for a title company, lawyer's title, right out of college. And what I year was that? What year was that? Um, 2004 or five before the crash. In the so market. you entered the market and it was like firing, firing. like kind of now. Firing. It was firing. Yeah, like yep, right now. Yep. Yeah. And um, I worked for a year and a half at lawyer's title and we all, a bunch of us went to Chicago title. And I remember thinking when I walked at Chicago title that I was like, wow, this is a way more professional environment. In fact, they have a commercial division, <laughs> subdivision department. I was like, wow, there's going to be a lot more potential and possibility here at this company. So um, for me, getting started was, was um, I worked for another sales rep actually, and I helped her in South Bay. And when I say South Bay, um, for a lot of us on this podcast, it means South San Diego, because I know there's a South Bay in Los Angeles too. Um, so it's Chula Vista, National City, San Ysidro. And I helped her in balancing her clients and also doing marketing for, for her and her clients. And I think that that gave me a good perspective um, on the business and what I did and did not want to be a part of. Um, and it really helped me gravitate towards commercial as well because I was strictly doing residential at that point. So how did you build your book of business? I, um, you know, a lot of people talk about in this world, it's all in who you know. So I, I pretty much I'm tapped into my network of people that I played soccer with and surfed with worked out with um, and that helped me you know pass on my business cards for four or five years um, and enabled everybody all my friends to know where I worked and you know we we're all kind of stuck by each other and referred each other to different people and I think for me you know half the part is just showing up if you can go find ways to show up and be motivated to go meet new people you know over a period of 12 to 16 years you're going to be successful but you have to enjoy the showing up 
and going to meet new people that you get referred to. So how, can, how long have you been in the business? 17 years of Chicago title, one year at Lawyers. I think, yeah, 18 total maybe. 18, how long in Chicago? 17. 17? Yeah. So over 17 years. Yeah. Like what's the one, two, three, five? Like what? What? Like what is it that's like gotten you here? Like because there's all these pivotal yeah, moments, right? Sure. Like, I think a big part of it is is working throughout that process of when it was the market crashed. Everybody went away. Everybody disappeared. Nobody wanted to be around. You there was no money to be made. But I was hustling during a time when I was trying to grow my family. I was I just got our first kid, and um, Melissa and I were living in a you know one bedroom place and. It was fine. It was great. But I had, a, I had a period of time where I could build a lot of relationships in a time when there was nobody around, meaning, meaning no title and escrow people around. So there was a lot of relationships and friends of mine to connect with. And that's everybody started to do well and the market started to pick back up and we had a good momentum going into the next, next cycle. I was there alongside all of them. Yep. So together, everybody was able to help each other. Um, so the downturn, like so I think the downturn was the best thing ever. Even though most people think it wasn't, I feel it's like so for me, funny because that's what all the top yeah. producers say they love the downturn because they yeah. pick up more market share. Right, and I even feel, I mean, we can get into this later, but now the way that the market is and it's leveling out, I feel like maybe we're even seeing some reduced prices. Like I'm having a lot of um, successes in this time. Oh, it's going like to get right better now. for you. Yeah. For you, when it, if yeah. it crashes, you're going to win even more. Sure. Because we just pick up more market share. No, because you're not because. It's somebody might not be able to afford to stay in title. They have to go get another job, and you're like, sure. no problem. Let's sure. just go through, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so I've been very fortunate. Has there been anything else though? Like that's like, like um, when you look back, like is yeah. there any? Is there a person or like is there anything else that's gotten you here? No, yeah, yeah. There's several people um, in my career. Funny enough, that have told me that I'm going to fail and I'm not going to make it. And when I hear that <laughs> from multiple people, it allows me to put a little tiny chip, chip on my shoulder and prove everybody wrong. So I think that more than anything, I have I have some thank you cards to send us, you know, certain people that told me I would never make it. That's the best. Yeah. So that That's that was best. that was the part for me. I'm really competitive too, so I feel like I take it. I know that a little more very serious than when people say that. But you know, it's cool to look back at that stuff though now to realize like you know just I think that that stuff helps you m- more of a way than you, than you think. And when I was being an assistant to somebody else, also doing all this work and not really getting paid anything I felt like it was unfair at that point but the reality is is I was learning everything in the business mm-hmm. and it was probably the best gift that anybody could have ever given me probably better than going to college yeah so yeah. so quite honestly I have a lot a lot of people to thank you know so quick question before we move on to like personal stuff yeah. what do you think like now that you've been in sales for this long like and you work with commercial brokers, real estate agents, lenders, everything. What do you think separates like a mediocre salesperson from a great salesperson? Um, the ability to relate well to everyone, not just a certain um, person. Yeah, group. If you can be diversified and just like a, a mutual fund or a portfolio, if you can be diversified in your business and work with all types of people and connect all types of people, that for me has been the biggest um, thing that separates me, and I think I'm also enjoy connecting people. I enjoy um, introducing people to each other and helping people do more business, and then hopefully, you know, that that will come back. So being a giver, I think, is key. And especially now too. I mean, now that you guys can't put us in the box seats at right. you know the games or the racetrack or all these little things that people used to be able to do, sure. now you really have to. 
add value yeah. to people. Absolutely, yeah. To their business. Yeah. Only yeah. the professionals are kind of left in the business. How do you how do you um, how do you compete nowadays? I mean, what that's the question, right? And for me, the the way I compete is by trying to give as much as I can and connect as many people as possible. because um, then in turn that will come back. I mean, organically. Yeah, so the one thing at camera I would say definitely about you is like to toot your horn is your I always say like when I introduce you I'm like Cameron's like the master networker. Thanks. You just are. You just literally like I don't it's not that I don't know anybody else, but if somebody were to write a book, it would probably be like I would read your book, you know, because you just mastered it. It's like I understand it because I know you well, yeah. but if somebody doesn't understand it, it's just like, you know, it's just you just you just have figured it out, which has got success. The other th- that's why it kind of leads into the personal like I feel like it's not just business though. You've kind of mastered like the personal side too because as successful yeah. as you are yeah. a lot of people get stuck in that and then they have to sacrifice something right you're like i sacrifice business and i have a good personal life or i sacrifice personal life and have a good business life but with you yeah. Yeah. you figured out how to not like sacrifice one or the other yeah. so that just leads into like personal like how is it how have you mastered or figured out the balance between both like with personal how do you how do you make the time well first of all thanks i appreciate that i don't i'm <laughs> saying that you would read my book is crazy i would never even at this point, you can think about writing a book. Actually, but, you should, though. But I appreciate that. Um, we'll I work on I'm that. Very, I'm, very lucky. <laughs> I'm very lucky to surround myself with good people. And I think that's part of my success is the people that I surround myself and I choose to work with are amazing people that inspire me. And honestly, they're most of them are a lot smarter than me and know a lot more about the business than I do. But they've been influential in my life to help me make good investments and make good decisions in life, too. So. I think that's a good word, though, that you just said. You said the people I choose to work with sure. or choose to have in my life because yeah. I think sometimes people in sales, and I, I get like when you're in the beginning stages of building your business, you kind of take whoever comes to you, but there comes a time where you get to choose. Like sure. you can fire a client that's not yeah. adding value to you or making you like it that you're not enjoying doing business with. You can choose who yeah. you let into your life. I mean, sure. And you're very picky. Yeah. I mean, we know you. And- yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the fact that now, you know, Renee is with me full time and I She's adore awesome. her. She's amazing. And I don't want anybody to be mean to her or her to not like anybody we're working with. So I really try to choose people that, that would be suitable for her as well, which yeah. is silly, silly to say, but no, it's smart. Honestly, is, I think it's we, smart. We juggle a lot and we delegate to each other and I want her to be comfortable as well. So, um, again, I, I just try to think about how these clients we're working with are, how they are going to affect me in my life, whether it's during the business day or after work. And so I, I hope, and like you guys, I like to hang out and, and travel and do fun things with my clients and people that I are friends of mine. So that makes a big difference for me in my life, I think. That's a really good point because people who don't know you or even people who do know you would probably say, I know some people joke like, Cameron's never working. He's always out surfing or sure. going on trips or doing this or that. I think one thing that I've watched with you is I don't think you really separate your personal life from your business. I think that they kind of live and coincide together. Sure. And that when you're surfing, having a board meeting, we yeah. like to talk about yeah. that usually it's with a client. Sure. And so that's how you get to have that balance, if you want to call it that, or, yeah. you know, build your business relationships while you're still kind of having, yeah. you know, doing things that you enjoy doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, I mean, surfing, it started with surfing a lot. I think a lot of my friends' relationships come from surfing. I have a lot to thank surfing for probably. But, you know, I think just, 
doing things with people is fun mm-hmm. in general. And that allows me to have a little bit of personal time in the business or the work day or the, the year, for example, mm-hmm. if we're all traveling together, then we're kind of connecting people and working while we're traveling. So I've always thought it's a fun way to do it. Do you have any, like, um, to wrap kind of like your personal stuff up, um, we can sit here and talk for hours probably. Do you have any, like, philosophies or principles that you kind of live by with your with your family life to keep the balance? Is there things, like, at home you guys just have, like, you and Melissa have set, you know, that – because there's so many people I think that work really hard and they have they have a struggle. You know, it is. Every, it's everybody's like the, the whole, it's a balance, it's a balance. And I think, like mm-hmm. Crystal said, it's like instead of fighting the balance, it's like you just have to learn to just commingle it almost. Yeah. But do you have any philosophies or anything like that, you guys? Um, I mean, I think the main thing is like I already kind of said was that surrounding yourself with really good people helps you not only with your family life but maybe with your personal life and then with your business life if you're surrounded with good positive people that have good positive vibes and things to say and and philosophies then then it's going to help you a lot of times i I run into so much negativity and so many people that are just downers that you it's really tough to be around that and to work around that and so i really try to gravitate towards positive people so um i don't know about philosophies i think just more that we're trying to instill in our kids to to be good people and to give as much as they can. And I know that's the hardest thing to tell kids to do, but like if we can get them to give as much as possible, you're going to, you're going to get in return at some point. And whether it's an amazing relationship or that's business or whatever it is, yeah. um, I think that giving is, is super important. So I'm really constantly um, driving to my kids' heads, even when we're traveling <laughs> to other countries that you, you know, look at how lucky you are, you know, make sure that you're giving back to, to, to wherever you're at. Your kids are really good too. I mean, yeah. You've obviously been on vacation. So and I, I think to wrap that up, I think kind of what you're saying is like if you're surrounding yourself with the right people that you work with and you're with your family and this, like they understand, they respect you instead of somebody that's like, I don't care. It's like, you know, they, yeah. they respect it and they know you're, you're always picking up the phone or answering so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so like a couple of final questions because I know we kind of got to wrap it up. Um, if you went back to give advice to your 21-year-old self, I don't know if there's one thing or two things or three things, like what would you tell your 21-year-old self today if you can go back? Um, Whether it's like personal or anything. business or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so tough because I feel like I really care about what people think too much. I think I probably should just relax on that. <laughs> focus on like you know what somebody's going to think. But I, I really think that if you do your best to try to be a really good person, it, it'll eventually, I mean, it, it will, it yeah, not, and not necessarily pay off, but it, it will allow you to be the person you want to be if you're, if you're, if you're giving to people all the time. So again, back to, back to being a good Is it like empathy, the word or right? Or humble. Is that like, kind of like that or? Yeah. I just, um, I think I'm, I'm very, very grateful for all the people that have been supportive of me over the years. And I think that I I'm very lucky to be surrounded by that. And I have a lot of things, obviously, that, that play into that that I, um, that I think that, that has enabled that to happen. But I think more than anything, else, I, I feel like when you, when, you, when you reach out to people, I think, with, and you're honest with your with your and your and your integrity i think people feel that and i think that so many people out there these days are like they want to take 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 constantly so again back to just 
I think trying to give, give be yourself authentic and like yeah. just put your your real the real Cameron out there. Yeah, you're gonna get back. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Um, what uh, a couple more questions that I want you to answer because I want to hear what you say. <laughs> what like what drives you every day? Like why do you get up in the morning? Like what what drives you? Kenny's trying to make me uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Yes, um, I to go deep. Yeah, so I mean, for me, just driving for me early on was the, probably the kids and my wife, and that's maybe having kids early is a is a is a positive. You know, you it it drives you, it motivates you to to work hard. But I also think that I really like just meeting people and like meeting new people. I like think that that's like exciting for me every day, like getting up and going, oh, I'm going to a new meeting. I'm going to. So you love what you do. Yeah, and some people maybe aren't don't feel that way. Maybe they don't have that. Um, you definitely have that. 100%. So it's so it's it's fun for me to go and meet new people, right? And connect new people. I don't know. Um, that's it. I mean, I but I think that's, that's awesome. what makes. I think the adventure behind all of it too. I'm like super big on like going on adventures and doing things. And so if I'm gonna go um, with a friend or a client to Mexico or travel to Indonesia next September, it like gives me something to look forward to. But also, I just really like. Um, Feeling, feeling how I can connect a lot of people and also go on a trip or a travel or with my family or my friends and like do fun things. So I love adventure too. Um, as weird as that is, I feel like every day in life is kind of an adventure. So meeting new people is an adventure. I mean, to me. So, um, totally. yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of like what drives me every morning to get up and and to to make it happen. You know, to hustle. Very cool. So, just the last question is. Um, what advice would you give someone who wants to get into real estate now, whether it's like title and escrow or brokerage or what kind of advice would you give them on how to get into this business? Um, I think to be able to learn all facets of the business would be cool. Um, if you could work, especially at my company, if you could work in customer service and escrow and title and learn all of it ahead of time, I think you'd be that much stronger in how it's so funny because in our business we talk about how when you start when you're really young you, you don't have much knowledge but you have a lot of hustle but as soon as you gain the knowledge you become really dangerous yep. at sure. like year 10 or something so if you could learn all that stuff as an intern let's say you know um, customer service escrow title even even real estate get your real estate license because a lot of that stuff I didn't understand early on at all mm-hmm. and, and now I understand more about what's happening in the business with my friends who are in commercial brokers or residential brokerage or banking or whatever. But if you could learn all that stuff up front, then you'd be super dangerous going into real estate no matter what you're doing. Um, so I recommend getting a real estate license, working at a title company, working as a lender, um, maybe as a processor, mm-hmm. and understanding all facets of the business. I think that you could kill it if you, in any sector of the business if you did all that. So what's um, to wrap it up? What's what's next for Cameron? I mean, what people don't know is I know you're you're like us. You are focused on working hard and buying assets and cash flow and all that stuff. But like, what's like just overall? What's what's next? Um, I think trying to continue and follow the path of some of my friends and clients and investors that are around me. I'm very lucky to have a lot of people who are very um, intelligent and teach me a lot. So continue to invest, continue to meet relationships that aren't necessarily in San Diego. Maybe they're in Park City, maybe they're in Los Angeles, maybe they're in Orange County, and continue to build my network that I hope will be something that 
I can leave behind to maybe one of my children at some point, which are a lot of good relationships. So I think what's next for me is just continuing um, to grow. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Cam. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. Cool. Yeah. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.